Welcome to Charmed Life. I am your host, Trisha Carr. This is my baby. This is my podcast. And of course, it is also a YouTube show. And we are here every week, at least every week. Sometimes I do episodes between the weekly Sunday releases. And I am just thrilled to death with this episode. To death, you guys, to death. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm a bit silly sometimes. If it's your first time, welcome to me. I'm a weirdo. Now, all right, let's get down to the serious, serious business of spirituality. Spirituality is all about fun and living your best life. This podcast is about spirituality, metaphysics, healing. I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm an intuitive, a multidimensional medium, an animal communicator, a teacher of nature and spirit. And I am here to share the light with you. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy this episode and all of the other episodes that I'm putting out. Oh, over 300 now. I don't know now. But this episode is so amazing. I had the best time interviewing my incredibly special guest, best-selling author, spiritual teacher, and empathic healer, Matt Kahn. Go check out his YouTube channel after this episode, of course. He is wonderful, so beautiful. His message, truly listening to him even on his YouTube channel, certainly going to his uh, speaking engagements and I think they, they're basically their workshops because he's healing in a group setting when he is presenting and um, he is just so wonderful. His message is so pure, so true, and I jibe with it like it's really amazing. The similarities, the synchronicities that when you are listening to a teacher and a healer like Matt, that you really just have such resonance. And that's how, that's how healing works. It's, it's by the law of resonance. And so Matt Kahn is a spiritual teacher and highly attuned empathic healer who has become an internet sensation with his transformational and often humorous videos. He is the author of the best-selling books, Whatever Arises, Love That, Everything is Here to Help You, and the brand new, The Universe Always Has a Plan. And this is being released in just a few days as of this broadcast or this podcast release, and it's actually being released on March 24th, 2020. So if you are listening to this podcast in alignment with that date in this in this present time. Well, thank you so much, first of all. And second of all, you can find links to both the Audible book and the, I think there's a Kindle book, there's a paperback, there's all the things, and the links are in the description. And let me tell you a little bit more about Matt. Matt has been listed as one of the 100 most spiritually in- influential living people in the world in 2020 by Watkins Magazine. His YouTube channel has drawn over 17 million views, helping viewers find the support they seek to feel more loved, awakened, and open to life's greatest possibilities. I had the best time, as I said, speaking with Matt. It was such a true, like a profound honor. I'm incredibly honored and proud, if I may say, of this episode. And I cannot express my gratitude enough. And thank you so much for listening and watching. This episode with Matt is up there with some of my very famous favorites. They're all my favorite, but the Penny Pierce, who's been on my show at least a couple of times. I can't remember if it's two or three times, but she was actually my very first guest. She's an author. I highly encourage you to go check out Penny's work. Frequency is one of her, uh, one of my favorite books of hers. Um, and she was my first guest on the actual version of this podcast. I did a beta version first, like on my own on blog talk radio and just kind of feeling things out. And then when I went fully in, Penny was so generous as to be on my podcast. I was shocked. Daryl Anka, the channel of Bashar, also another one of my most favorite, like the metaphysical communicate, um, content, the the uh, education, and just to be able to like talk with with Daryl was oh my gosh, like mind blowing. And Matt is one of these very like stand out for me. There's also David G. I mean, my best friend Crystalline Compton. I can't I can't like they're all my ch- I love all my children equally. But just as so far as authors go, Matt is and you know and, and YouTube presences, Matt is just like 
such a, a powerful figure and yet such a gentle way. So gentle and so grounded and so real, and I just love it. We have a lot of things in common in our teaching. He likes to dispel superstition, superstition <laughs> and uh, some of our spiritual bypassing and really ground it in practical tools and tips. And that's what his book that is currently out um, in just a few days is offering. And we talk about so many things on this podcast, including if you're listening recent, recent to this um, release of it, we talk a bit about the COVID-19 pandemic. And the book that is actually, uh, his release of his book is really aligned to help us to heal and give hope and to see the silver lining and the, the ascension in what we are going through right now. So without any more delay, I just really wanted to give my wholehearted enthusiasm. And please do enjoy this interview with Matt Kahn. I'll see you on the other side. Khan is here. I have to tell you, I also have a cat named Khan. <laughs> Net named after you, though. <laughs> so, you, so you're saying you named your cat Cat Khan? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I didn't actually name him. He came from someone else's home who named him Khan, and we call him Khan Khan. <laughs> Amazing. He's, he's a wonderful, magical creature. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, just adore absolutely everything that you do, and you're such a blessing to so many. And, um, you know, I actually am curious off the bat, do you know what your human design type is? You know, I had some, I've had people offer to do my Enneagram, my human design, uh -huh. my horoscope, my astrological chart. I always love having these things done. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I am. I think someone said like, you're, you're a, you're a transformer. So I don't know what the, the. <laughs> The type is called, and I go, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm That's good to know. Maybe I'll look into that. I'm curious because I am like kind of studying it a little bit, but also because, well, I'm actually usually, I'm about 90% of being able to feel what type a person is because mm. of it's essentially, it's pretty easy. There's only four types and you run your energy in a certain way. And so, but I am curious if you're a reflector, which is what I am. And it's own it's like 1% of the population. That's what someone told me. I'm a reflect. That's what it was. Okay. And literally, I'm a reflector. literally the, I was watching your most recent YouTube video and you said something about, I could feel it coming. Well, anyway, psychic, whatever, but I could feel it coming. And you said, and how you, when you're with, with, I'm totally paraphrasing, but essentially this is what my whole life and practice is based on. And my whole life, not just practice, really, is and it's something I had to learn and about how I work. And then essentially to feel into when you're with someone and talk about them and be with them and sense their light. This is how I'm, I'm me not paraphrasing you even. It's how I feel it. And then to reflect back to them the highest potential, the highest good, you know, because you, mm -hmm. you can project and reflect and vibrate to whatever and so that's how I've learned to use that energy. And so if, if you're not a reflector, though, then you could be just also have a ton of open centers, which would almost be like a reflector. So it's very curious. Yeah, it's very curious. But I do know that as a, like an adjective of my energy field, I do reflect a lot. Yeah. And I, th I think it's, it's really um, an interesting uh, skill set to develop where, and you kind of almost, you kind of touched on it, I think, in a really eloquent way where we learn to reflect yeah. instead of project. Absolutely. And of, and of course we project because we're trying to protect, not mm -hmm. to make it all very rhymey, but it works. You know, it works. Mm -hmm. So when we find ourselves being safe, no matter what emotional state we're in, which of course the emotional state we're feeling is what we're helping clear out of others. Mm -hmm. When we are feeling safe in being able to go through whatever higher or low is going to come up, uh, then we can project the light of our soul to reflect to people who they're becoming, what they're stepping into, without protecting ourselves through the conditioning of projection. That's amazing. That And that sounds so much like a reflector. So reflectors yeah. are lunar beings, and that's essentially what the moon does. She reflects source energy. She reflects mm. the sun and and the, the the highest light of of source, of the sun, you know. So... Um, that is really, that's beautiful. And I think what you're talking about essentially is the sensitive or the empathic nature. The yes. empathic nature, it, it, is, it basically doesn't have an agenda because mm. neither does the universe in, in a sense. I know it always has a plan. But in the, so far as the perspective of us having free will, absolute free will, we are not going to have that free will interrupted upon 
we're just not. Right. I mean, it's, of course, yeah. our free will is multidimensional, so our higher self will interrupt if it's going to too much thwart that greater plan. But I'm just talking about things from that really, really expanded perspective. The mechanism of the mm. empathic nature is going to, it, it, on its own, if we could separate it, has no agenda. And so the I am that we are is going to use it as a tool. And if we are vibrate, if our I am is if we're not really vibrating to the true I am that we are and more of yeah. the I am not, then we're going to vibrate to someone's pain and project our own the, from the sense of, of creating a like frequency. And then we also amplify it. We believe that what someone else is experiencing is what we're experiencing. And that's that mechanism of projecting. That's what the mm -hmm. empathic nature can do and what tend to, tends to be what highly empathic people come out of the conditioning <laughs> because that's how we're, you know what I mean? And then we learn how to use it in the higher way that you're describing yeah and, and i i think you know one way i've i've come to see it is that when we are vibrating at a certain frequency we are not only aware of our own light as who we are and we're able to hold that light in the presence of whatever someone needs to release or heal that may be of a different frequency or seeming the opposite of the light but when we find ourselves at lower vibrational frequencies what the tendency is is that the energy we're helping to loosen and heal and people and clear we tend to identify with mm -hmm. as if it's ours. Yeah. And so we basically help someone clear it and add it to our conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so as we become really mature, embodied and integrated and actualized empaths, we are able to help people clear and heal, mm -hmm. but abiding and remaining centered in our own light because we don't identify with what we're healing out of others because we've taken the journey on a cellular level to really identify with the light as who we are. Yes. Therefore, the things that other people are clearing don't have to pull us out of that center. So I think it's, right. you know, and I work with a lot of empaths and energetically sensitive souls. And, you know, my work is really with the nervous system mm -hmm. and seeing that it's the where the nervous system is versus surrendered or in a state of hyper overreactivity or hypersensitivity that keeps people ungrounded. And especially with the world being where it's at right now, there are a lot of people who are going to learn how to ground, especially in a new zero point timeless space. Um, but in order to kind of ground into this energy, there's much ungroundedness right now. So right now, I think at this time in history, we have a lot of things happening, but we have a lot of empaths that are going through a lot of radical deep uh, angelic training. And mm. I'm, just, I'm just honored to be a part of that. Yes. Amen. It's like the, the, so, and again, this is a reflector thing, which I didn't know until like the last, uh, I don't know, probably six months. And I actually mm -hmm. had an astral dream where my, my guides showed me how the aura, or at least my aura works. Mm. That center of the light mm -hmm. remaining absolutely pure. And mm. then the rest of the aura, and I don't know if, if everyone can if everyone has the purpose of running their energy this way or not mm. maybe they maybe it's something that can be used as a tool but it, as a common way that the that aura works is that center being pure and and you know untainted if you will and never really vibe not not identifying to the core of it because that's the purity and then that which comes into the sensitive through the sensitive nature through the aura or through the energy is only that which can be transmuted rather than being identified to right mm -hmm. and and because lest again you then you just enhance it you amplify it and enhance it so it can only just mm. be sampled and then released and transmuted you know just like mm. the earth does mm -hmm. and so that's um that's how I, I even like when someone is um feeling so even defeated because someone they love or care about is having such a time and what can i do mm. what can i do and if you can just pay attention to that, their core of their purity and their light and their potential mm. unconditionally, then that actually helps because then you're enhancing that. Mm. Yeah, I, I find that when, when one is trying to find a center, mm -hmm. you know, amidst the uncertainty of the world, um, what I, what I find to be the best regulator, so we can, again, our conversation where we can project the light and, or we can um, reflect the light instead of project people's conditioning. I find that the best uh, focus is on our breath mm -hmm. and that what's amazing mm -hmm. about our socialized world is that 
when you are listening to another human being, you can be one with your breath and you can listen to someone else at the same time. And so a lot of people, when they're in conversations with other people, they're either waiting for someone else to stop speaking so they can make their point or yeah. they're waiting to see if the other person validates their standpoint. But when we involve breathing as yes. a conscious tool with our interactions, when listening becomes a time to breathe and listen, and then when it's time to respond, we breathe and then speak, I find that it's the, the, the relationship we have with our breath that then becomes the relationships we have with all of our emotions. I think one of the uh, short-sighted attempts in the old paradigm is that people say, I'm going to create a unconditionally loving relationship with my emotions. Mm -hmm. And most people do it from a very superstitious standpoint that says, I'm going to have a good relationship with my feelings. So none of the stuff I don't want to feel comes back around. Mm. So it's a, it's a very avoidant technique. Yeah. But what we realize is that every emotion and the relationship we have with any emotion is just a reflection of the relationship we have with our breath. So what I find is through both the practice of being present with our breath and loving our hearts, these two focuses really relax the nervous system so that through the law of polarity, we can be the opposite of where people are at instead of having to match where people are at. Because yeah. uh, typically, empaths match other people's unconsciousness because yeah. we go, if I can be a reflection of where they're at, I'll be less of an enemy or an mm -hmm. opposition to their ego. And right. so we're all trying to avoid punishment, avoid rejection. So I find, again, through the self-love, but, but really through the focus of the breath, as we change our relationships with our breath, we change the relationship with our feelings and then we can be reflectors instead of protectors or projectors. By the way, I have to tell you that one of the types is called projector, but it's not the way <laughs> that we're talking yeah. about in this context. Of Semantics. Course. I'm just saying that in case people are in, into human design, they're like, oh no, I'm a projector. Matt said no. I'm bad. No, that's not. <laughs> no. We're using no, this no, language and, no. you know, in all the different all the different ways that we can. Yeah. And it's not a human design episode because I'm not an expert or a teacher in it. Uh, but the breath, absolutely. I, I so agree. Well, you probably don't know this. I'm a hypnotherapist among some of the mm. other things that I do. Uh, I was already using hypnotherapy. I didn't realize it in my uh, mediumship and intuitive healing and reading and stuff. And then I actually went and got uh, a training and, and degree in it. And I love it. So that's a typical way that we begin meditation, when we, how to induce ourselves yeah. into the state is by the breath. And it's what's so magical about the breath is that it is it does bring you present because it's happening now and it proves to you your faith and the faith the universe has in you and it's both conscious and subconscious and so it brings your whole being together so i um, i agree the breath is so magical such a gift yeah yeah and i think what's really interesting is if we were to kind of look at each human being mm -hmm. and we were to look at the kind of narrative people have for their lives which is all wonderful um, and actually, the narrative is very important because it gives us a bird's eye view into some things. Oh, yes. But the narrative people have, which is like, let's say someone's narrative says, life goes my way for a little bit and then all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. Or just when I think things are getting really good, then something sidetracks me. Or I can't do anything right. Like, and, and if we were to replace their perception with how little good, goodness they have or how much adversity they have, we would find the, little, the goodness people have in their lives is equal to the amount of time they're present with their breath. Mm -hmm. And the amount of adversity is how much time in their life that people spend disconnected from the breath. Yeah. So if we see that as a metaphor, we actually learn to raise our vibration, change our point of attraction, and really enter into different parallel timelines you know, through dimensional jumping. But we dimensional jump by changing our relationship with our breath. Mm -hmm. And of course, in this time where there's these coronaviruses, you know, shelter in place and everyone's self-quarantining, isn't it the perfect time for humanity where everyone gets to pull, disconnect from this collective perception and we actually get to reunite with the relationship with, with our breath. Yeah. And what we'll find is instead of thinking that we're gonna kill our partners or get sick and tired of our children being home from school, <laughs> that if we can change our relationship with our breath, every relationship we have internally and externally is gonna transform from the inside out, but it begins and ends with 
how we relate to our breath. When we spend a lot of time with our breath, there's so much goodness to be perceived, so much to be grateful for, and so much hope and possibility. And when we don't see that kind of possibility, it just means the lack of goodness that I perceive is showing me how little time I spend with the breath mm. that is just trying to call me home. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is a it's a, it can be a magical tool too because when you're breathing deeply and easily and you know slowly, it's impossible to activate fight flight. It's impossible. Right. So it's like a built-in magical tool to get mm. you out of the lack of love, you know, out of the non-fear, mm. out of the fearful state. Because it, the slow and easy breath that you you can only do that it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, and mm. it's impossible to activate to have the sympathetic nervous system which is connected to fight flight right. while breathing deeply and easily. They they cannot. They, it's a physical impossibility, sure. and so it's just available to us now. What comes to mind is that you kind of believe that you can't. Like I can't breathe. You know, right, when, when you're in that state, when the, the ego mind is sort of taking over. When I was, I was in a, I was actually still, I was bartending and I was in so much resistance to that work and just every, a lot of things in my life. It wasn't just mm. the work. That was just one of the symbols. And I went to this workshop and we had an, a, a physiologist there who was um, like kind of analyzing our, our, um, you know, our form to see if it was mm -hmm. ergonomic and how, how we could change it because so many injuries and, you know, with right. the body for people who work in service. And after I did my, I, I did, just made a couple of cocktails and I, sh I did a one shaken and one stirred and the physiologist said, okay, hmm, did you know that when you shake and stir, you hold your breath? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, only 90% of what I do on a 12-hour shift? That's great. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know what's really interesting about the breath is that another name for the breath is, is our power. And yeah. a lot I of us very at a very early age, at a very influential age, we had something that caused us to gasp. And the gasp yeah. of shock, of awe, of surprise is literally the metaphor of, of, of something taking our power away because we often go through the most critical emotional changes when we're the least emotionally mature to handle them, which on purpose creates the conditioning process, which is a very big setup for the awakening mm -hmm. uh, that we're all going through on an evolutionary basis. But a lot of us had this experience, whether it was the news of mom and dad getting divorced mm -hmm. or the sudden death of a loved one or the spontaneous running away of a pet or whatever we go through in our lives, something <gasps> caused us to gasp. We inhaled and it took our breath away. And what I, what I think is really interesting is that the inhale is the symbol of receiving. Mm. The exhale is the symbol of giving. Yeah. And when something causes you to <gasps> gasp and take your breath away, it's interesting because metaphorically and on a societal level, we live in a world where a lot of people are not, you know, are into receiving and taking, let's say, yeah. and not so good at giving. Right. And so it correlates to the idea that the wounds that we incurred in childhood, which is set up for the awakening process, is that we took a big inhale, but something trapped us from the exhale. Mm -hmm. So we live in a world where we have to teach the world how to breathe differently because only when we breathe differently and our inhale and exhale is of the same consciousness and presence and mindfulness yeah. will we actually be in a place where we can give as openly as people are eager to take. And so I think that really with the work that I'm doing and of course the work you're doing and so many of us are doing, through all the different avenues that we are serving our awakening humanity, we are literally teaching the world how to breathe yeah. consciously and through, for me, self-love and self-care and all the ways that I, even the, the energy I transmit energetically as I talk to you, mm -hmm. it's all to relax the nervous system yeah. so we can reacquaint ourselves with our breath as the true relationship within ourselves. And once we are one with our breath, the perception of being one with the universe is so obvious and ever present. Oh, yes. Yes, the uh, out breath, that is, it's like the in breath is the magnetic of the electromagnetic mm -hmm. field and the out yeah. is the electric. And that's your gift. Mm -hmm. That's who you are. That's you giving your truth, your mm -hmm. imprint to the field. And without it, we cannot be a, a whole system. We cannot be an ecosystem. We cannot be a universe. We cannot be the one song without your note. And that's, yeah, if you, the, the way you're describing it, you took in the breath and you held it because you, you then were 
and under this traumatic um, setting up in the neurology and in the energy of the of the mind that mm-hmm. I cannot give of who I really and truly am. I cannot give my truth because there is right. pain in this world, and and so I have to just retain and be and actually stay stuck in this moment and never move forward and never continue to be that verb of the be of the being that you are. Right. Yeah, we have to teach ourselves how to breathe again. <laughs> so I guess life evolution on Earth, if it were a Hollywood movie, it would be waiting to exhale. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? We're all just waiting to exhale. We're mm-hmm. holding our breath. And that's why we tend to be disempowered. We tend to be frenetic and anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, what's amazing about uh, the, you know, the, the, the survival instincts of a human being, especially again in a time like this, you know, the uncertainty of coronavirus, what's really going on. And a lot of people look around their lives and they go, what should I do? And they don't find a lot of options. And as we evolve in consciousness, the first option we always go to without even asking, what do I do? Is we go to our breath. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how many people will look at, they can write out how many options they have right now. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to label, do I have enough toilet paper? Do I have enough this? Which is totally fine, you know. Yeah. Uh, no judgment on that because <laughs> I, I understand, you know, we're all just trying to comfort ourselves and we're all just trying to ground in this very yeah. precarious time. But what's interesting is what a lot of people never consider is what if the first place I go to is my breath? Mm. And just like they say, not to be too religious, they say in the beginning there was the word. yes but the power that propelled the word into existence that created all that is, was powered by the breath because you can't have a word without the breath. So I think if we return to the breath as the force through which brings the word of our divinity out into existence to recreate the world for the evolution and ascension of humanity, really before we can start speaking more mindfully responding more tactfully before we can start having our intuition inspire us with the true gifts we're here to give to the world. It all truly starts with the breath. And if we don't have the attention span to be one with our breath, that's when I go a step before that and I say, how much self-love do you need to give to yourself before being true to your breath is a relief instead of a requirement? Mm. Yes, a relief instead of a requirement. It's like when you start to look at it, it gets better. And when you start to mm. breathe, then then you're more alive. Yes. Oh, wow. You have a book coming out any second mm. now as we are doing this episode. And the universe always has a plan with the 10 golden rules of letting go. I would love for you to talk about some of these principles and the distinction that I've heard you discuss between letting go and letting it go and really finding that narrative of the story that you were uh, talking about a moment ago as a resource and and as Mm. something to to the setup even, you know what I mean? Like the joke's not going to be funny if there's no setup, (laughs) y'all. That's true. Well, you know, when when I channeled this book, Mm -hmm. um, I channeled it in a very short amount of time because like a lightning that was coming through my central channel. Mm. This book wanted to be written and it came through as such a lightning strike of conviction to where not only did the universe say, you know, cause basically with what's happening in the world, mm. people are caused at being asked to be indoors for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. It's because the earth is going through an ascension to 5d consciousness. Yes. And when we all come back out publicly, we're actually going to be in a different frequency timeline of so that's what's that's what's really happening right now preaching and for so, me i know and so I the 10 gold rules of letting go is the universe said as humanity steps into a new paradigm so too is the spiritual paradigm going to have to be reconfigured re-examined and redefined so the universe through me channeled the 10 golden rules of letting go which is essentially like the most updated version of the universal laws In terms of what universal laws can we use to govern our reality, to maintain connection, to reconnect if we get disconnected, and what 10 principles can we basically use to ensure that we're not using our journey against ourselves Mm -hmm. and that we're evolving and awakening in consciousness in the most heart-centered way. Because the interesting thing about awakening is you can awaken in consciousness. It may not be the most heart-centered awakening. It might be more of a mind-based awakening. And so I channeled the 10 golden rules of letting go, which makes it 
impossible for you to use your journey against yourself. It makes it nearly impossible for you to self-criticize as if that's a moment of awareness. And it truly outlines in 10 simple golden rules how you can let go of needing to control because instead of having to be the doer of life, you can actually be the chooser mm. of reality. And so in order to really become co-creators in a 5D paradigm, these 10 golden rules that I channeled are just giving people a map and a direction as to how they can always find the place they're supposed to be in the world, how they can bring the gifts from within out for the benefit of all, and how they can always really just find their true north and always reorient to the deepest truths in existence, no matter the narratives or the circumstances at play. So really this book is the redefining of, of universal wisdom uh, in, in such a compelling and, and loving way. And I'm just so, so excited for everyone to, to receive and, and, and hear it. And, and how crazy, I mean, you know, synchronicity is the way that we know <laughs> that we are working in the flow. You know, it just, it is, it's coming out at a time that really, like you say, we're moving inward into this, like, sequestered experience so that we yeah. could go in and really and breathe and reset and then take ourselves back out. And, you know, we're having, even though what's so interesting, you know, folks, if you're listening to this another time, you heard us talk about it, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and we don't want to, it's interesting. We don't, don't want to talk about it too much because we are hearing enough <laughs> with that place of it. But at the same time, you know what I mean? Like it needs the compassion. What's it's what's happening yeah. and we need the compassion and the comfort about the truth that's going on what's happening with this beautiful, I'm going to just say it is reset. We have to sequester ourselves so that we can come together and we're having to, I mean, I, mm. I, I'm finding myself, even though I have work to do and I'm like, no, I have to call and check on this friend. I have to call and check on this person, <laughs> you know? And, and it's, it's really lovely that we're coming together and, and looking at one another more and, and we just having to, and, and the ways where the separation it's, here's the thing with, Spirit told me before in many ways, like if you feel challenged, you're feeling resistance, you're not able to break a habit, you mm -hmm. almost, it's like you, you use the exact tool, the exact me mechanism that you think is keeping you limited and you use it as a hack. So if you say, I can't start a meditation practice because I don't have time, you use yeah. time to hack it because <laughs> it will work. Mm -hmm. You set a timer for 10 minutes every day. And, and that will start, you will hack it through the very mechanism mm. that you believe is holding you because you become the master of it. And yeah. so this is so perfectly divinely timed. Of course, you wrote it I'm well before this pandemic was showing up, but right, the right. universe has a plan. Hello. <laughs> That's what it says. That's we know what what's going says. on. <laughs> well, even in the book, I think it's golden rule number three. I, I channeled uh, hardships can be fast yes. tracked through thankfulness. Oh, you tell, I saw that. Jump off the page at me and go, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, because here's the other thing too, even though these are the principles that when like you and like myself, we use it, you still have doubt every now and again. Like, really, should I be thankful that this thing is going on? Am I actually being discompassionate? And that's your that's your integrity that's, you know, asking you to to mm -hmm. look inside. But that just jumped out and said, keep going. So thank well, you. Well, as, as an example of that, you know, every day, as a, because what I know as a healer and a, I do healing events with hundreds of people and thousands yeah. of people at a time. And then when, it, when the world goes to a place like this, I anchor in do healing work for the yes. world as if the world is one group soul. Right. And what, what I have learned as a healer and what, what I have, you know, been blessed to share with so many people is that when you build a relationship with anything, you are connecting with the consciousness within that form. So we have COVID-19 or the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, corona being the name for crown, which I love. Yeah. Um, so coronavirus is a form of take, it's, it's the form of viruses taken. But when we create a relationship to that form that is of consciousness and benevolence, and we are willing to say, despite the form and the fear of what people think about what the virus can do to you, mm -hmm. if I perceive value despite the narrative wrapped around it, yeah. I am honoring actually the consciousness of that form. And the more I relate to the consciousness of that form, the more consciousness I bring to the form. So mm -hmm. as a way of helping humanity, Every day, throughout the day, I say, thank you, coronavirus. Thank yes. you so much. 
sending you love and blessings because every time I praise coronavirus, I'm connecting with the consciousness of coronavirus. And the more often we all add consciousness to coronavirus, we ask coronavirus to return to its original form of consciousness to uplift the planet and we transmute it from its conditioned form into its original form of eternal light. So just as an example of what people can do in this day and age, even if you're quarantined, thank you quarantine. Mm. Even if you've run out toilet paper, thank you toilet paper. Thank you coronavirus. And what happens is, is when we authentically are willing to thank something Mm -hmm. that looks like it has uh, a diabolical agenda, what we find is things that seem to have a negative charge are literally just giving us chances as angels to practice the transmutation process. Mm -hmm. And when we honor something as a gift by saying thank you, we open up the gift within it and return it to consciousness instead of having more unconsciousness to be afraid of and run away from. Mm -hmm. So I invite everyone, whatever it is they're afraid of, quarantining, coronavirus, economic collapse, whatever is going on in your narrative, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And as I outline in the book with so many incredible tools and and, uh, exercises, when we embrace moments of thankfulness, adversities and hardships can be fast-tracked, and then we find how incredibly powerful of co-creators we actually are. That thankfulness brings you into the identity that you did co-create it, and so therefore the mm. mastery of it, yeah. and the and the lesson, and the reason, and the learning, yeah. and the purpose, and the that oh, one of the rules is, uh, or not rules, yeah, that everything changes. But uh, I have it written down here. Everything changes. Everything but changes, it can but only, only changes for the better. It can only get better. Yeah, it it can only change for the better. There it is. Everything changes, That's but it right. can only change for the better. Yeah, and when you are able to embrace that then then again you're stepping into the master position and you become yeah. entirely empowered with all of the powers of the benevolence of the universe yeah that- well, and, and just to add to what you're saying i i would probably say just to be specific mm-hmm. i would say we didn't collectively create coronavirus we created the opportunity yes. to transform coronavirus so we are creating mm-hmm what coronavirus can become yes. as a conscious catalyst of evolution and expansion. Mm-hmm. But really, everything is created by source. And of course, we are source. Right. But the way our egos perceive it is we go, if I'm source, I should be able to control it the way my ego thinks it must work. Yeah. So yes, we are source. We are not creating the forms directly as people want to either teach or believe they are. Mm-hmm. Source is creating from a level that is beyond personal will and human comprehension. So it's like a pitcher throwing a ball. Mm -hmm. We are the ones at home plate with a bat in our hands. Mm -hmm. We decide what what direction we're going to hit the ball, what kind of adventure it's going to go on. Is it going to be a home run, you know, a line drive, and not to get too sports. But we, we are the ones that are deciding with what source created beyond human comprehension. We are deciding what are we going to do with this. So when we say thank you, we are becoming the co-creators, yes. not of something we personally created. That's kind of a human way of trying to... Um, Spiritually thera- bypass or something like that. Therapize yeah. and yeah. go, well, I yeah, must yeah. have created this. Oh, In reality, right, right, right. we've created the opportunity yes. to transform it into a higher vibration. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we created the original form that has come to be. Right. I think it's important for people to know that. Definitely. No, you're, you're I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is, as you said, you know, everything source, everything is being created by source, but it's beyond the, the person or the, the will that we could possibly mm. understand. And likewise, and, you know, as above, so below nature, this is nature. You are nature. We are nature yeah. and nature is doing what nature knows how to do, mm. which is balance, which is heal. And that is the only, it is only forward motion with nature mm. is the, it can only get better. And that is, that is always what is happening. When we are in Absolutely. the when we're in that present moment, that being moment, <clears throat> yes. So, so, so when we're talking about like hardships can get fast tracked through moments of adversity, yes. and all of us are going to have a sticking point. Right, we're going to have a sticking yeah. point of some things are easier to thank. Uh-huh. I'm thankful for my breath, thankful uh-huh. for the stars, all these things. Then we're going to find something that might be difficult to yes. thank. So. I'm interested just because, you know, we're all in this world and we all go through our authentic journey. I have things that are 
really easy for me to master. And I have other things that have taken a little more time and we're all very different. Um, for you, what would you say would be the hardest thing for you to authentically think? Well, the, a very specific, when I find that the lesson that I've learned is that there must be some surrender because I don't, I, I'm, I'm being conditional. I need, I'm, I'm needing it to be a certain mm. way. And the, the story that is so, stands out for me so much, um, I had, uh, I, I was abused as a, a young I'm child sorry. up through, thank you, up through, I'm, and, and thank you, thank you, abuse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But I had a, I had a, there was a, and it was of the nature of it being like sexual. So th there's mm. something about that. It really, that can be very, it, it is very sticky, that kind of. And then there was mental and emotional. And so when I was in my uh, awakening journey, you know, mm -hmm. and I was working on forgiveness and I recognized I held unforgiveness mm -hmm. and that forgiveness is about setting yourself free, not the other. And it's not about condoning. I understood all of that intellectually and, and really mm. wanted to be there. And I was so frustrated because I was not able to release the unforgiveness. That's where I was. Mm -hmm. And I was actually driving this one day and I pulled the car over and I was so frustrated. I banged my hands on the steering wheel, which was probably tapping. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. And I said, I don't know how to do this, but I am mm -hmm. saying that I am willing to do it. So mm -hmm. archangels, angels, help me. I don't know how to do it, but I'm willing to. And so that was a deep, profound surrender. And it mm. wasn't like some kind of light body transformation. The Merkaba didn't sweep me up. I turned around some certain amount of time later and I was like, oh, right. oh, it's gone. Now the right. story wasn't gone, but I didn't resonate to the pain of it. The story right. now was something that was a resource, was helpful. It was the thing, but it was just that moment. I didn't really do any other work but surrender. And the, the, the where I was stuck, what it felt like was, in order to forgive, I have to like no longer remember the story, and that's not possible mm. unless I get a lobotomy. But that wasn't it. The story, the story was still there, but it was like a movie or something. You know what mm. I mean? And so the pain resonance was gone, and I was no longer, and I was free then. I was truly that's free. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think for what, what's interesting is in the book, what I touch upon is yes, moments of adversity can be fast tracked through thankfulness. Yeah. But there are so many people that will hear that and they get in this pressure of like, yeah. I have to figure out how to be thankful, but I may not be ready to be authentic, authentically yeah. thankful. And I think I touch upon this in the book. I'm not sure because I can't remember. But I also in my teachings talked about the same thing of forgiveness, that truly in order to forgive, you have to have the right not to forgive. And in order to truly yes. be thankful, you have to have True. the right not to be thankful. Yep. So I say this with respect. Obviously, I have deep respect and honor for your healing journey. And I'm thankful for that moment of surrender where you could forgive. Mm -hmm. But for those of us that are listening to this, that may be in a place of like, I can't be thankful. I can't forgive. Mm -hmm. And I'm holding that against myself. Right. You know, there's a, very, there's a very clear difference between I'm not forgiving because I need the person that hurt me to hurt equal to my hurt before I can let them off the hook. There's that kind of vengeance standpoint, mm -hmm. but there's also the difference of I can't forgive because I'm, I'm, I'm in a clear state of awareness of where I'm at in my authentic journey. Mm -hmm. I will be able to forgive one day. I will be able to be thankful, but I'm humble enough to admit today may not be the day. Yes. So even yes. in my book, if you can't forgive, if you can't be thankful, um, I channeled processes that walk you through it. the process that even if you can't say thank you or if you can't forgive, there are processes I've channeled and created in the book that will not only help you understand why that's possible, why it's actually a good thing, why it's not you messing up your spiritual journey, mm -hmm. and will also walk you through processes that when you're ready, here's how you make your way to the other side. Yes. Ooh, process. And you do, oh, by the way, I don't want to move on to, before I praise how wonderful it is that this book has all of the inspiration and mm. it also has the practical tools to help yes. you in your process. And uh, Spirit must have known that we were going to use that language because it's only this last week. My husband has the, one of his um, mantras, one of his affirmations, as he's, particularly as he's moving into meditation, is I trust the process. Mm. And so I trust the process, and I think that's really lovely. But this week, I even like my my council of light. They kind of and when I was saying I trust the process, which isn't one of my typical ones, 
Mm. It actually came through. I respect the process. Like I don't just trust it. I actually Mm -hmm. love the process. And Mm -hmm. so where you are right now, where I was in that moment of frustration, that was just where I was in my process. And that's just a part of the story. And we have to, we, loving the story is orienting ourselves to that truth, to that higher nature, because we are the story of source energy. We are source right. energy story. We are the story of the universe. Mm. And we are loved in, a, in all of the perfection that we in highest truth are. Well, and, and, and could you imagine for so many people on this planet who could be let off the hook, who learn that source energy is so unconditionally loving, yeah. it even puts you in situations that it might be hard for you to trust and respect the process. Yeah. But yes, all you need absolutely. to get through it is one, reconnecting with your breath, mm-hmm. and two, honesty, because as they say, the truth shall set you free. So could you imagine for anyone listening to this right now, if they are able to say, I trust, value, I, or if they said, I will soon trust, yes. value, and respect the process. Exactly. And I accept that today is not that day. Mm-hmm. Because true self-acceptance, and I weave this into the book, Absolutely. true self-acceptance is the ability to surrender to where you're where at, you are. Mm-hmm. with an awareness of it helping you to where you're going. So yes. we don't define ourselves by where we're at mm-hmm. and we don't get down on ourselves by the big spiritual leaps that we can't seem to take. But could you imagine how mindful and self-loving it is to be able to say, I will respect value and trust my process. And I accept that today ain't that day. Yeah. And if people hear me say that, they go, Oh, thank God, because what I find <laughs> is so many spiritual beings trying to hold themselves to such a high standard, and the only work that matters to evolve us truly out of victimhood and into the redemption of our awakening process is authenticity. So trying to forgive, trying to be thankful, and trying to uh, forgive and respect is wonderful if you're at that vibrational standpoint Mm -hmm. and what gets you to that place to be able to do something like that is being in a place that says i will be able to do this that's going to happen sooner rather than later Mm -hmm. and today is a divine setup where life's making it impossible for me to do that just so that i can be more honest with my experience and as i become more honest with my experience can i then recognize how much breath and love and care that I need to give myself. That is reminding me what you're talking about there is the eighth rule in order to be emotionally free, it is okay to dislike. And that has been a catalyst for a few (laughs) times for me of profound, like out picturing of, I mean, I guess you'd say awakening, but just crazy manifestations where I gave myself permission to be in a situation. Mm -hmm. And one in particular, I was like, okay, I'm in this situation. And I am un- I'm ready to move on from it, but I'm going to be in the situation and do something that I know how to do, which is to be kind, which is to be present, which is to be, for me, it's easy to be kind to another person. And even mm. if they aren't able to reflect the kindness back, still, it doesn't mm. matter. I'm in the vibration of kindness. And so I've done that a couple of times. One time was a, you know, like a, a career work situation. And another one was mm. like a relationship situation. And it was like, boom, like, Three days later, miraculous shift happened. I was like, <laughs> it's a weird way to be present to say, I'm okay with not wanting to be here. <laughs> but I'm going to be here as much as I can be and do the best I can with love and whatever that looks like for you. So it mm. is okay to dislike because if you don't give yourself that permission, then you're just not being authentic with yourself. And that's the only person you can <laughs> really be authentic with. And I think that when we individually and collectively are honest with ourselves, now again, if you're in a situation where change can be affected, mm-hmm. if you're, and I always say this every time I'm interviewed or speaking publicly, if you're in an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship, you always have options, whether it's yeah. a shelter, or sleeping on a, a friend's couch. It may not be the perfect long-term solution you're looking for, but when, it's, when we're being abused and neglected, we need to move ourselves into a safe space because you can't really do the inner spiritual work unless you're in a safe environment. So that's always the caveat I always Absolutely. say. But in terms of dislike, dislike is often a couple different things. It's I, my values are not matching up with the values of other people. So mm-hmm. dislike is I am not resonating with this and 
you know, we tend to always be a vibrational average of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. So sometimes it's like, as our soul saying, this isn't someone you want to match, you know, mirror neurons with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to help you have discernment, which isn't, and I think a lot of energetically sensitive beings hear that and they go, that feels like a judge. Judgment, a judgment. right. That's not what it's about. It's, it's actually we, honoring, yeah. it's honoring yeah. the other person, honoring this person. And yeah. and we are meant to be in other places. It's like the, the cheetah and the gazelle, just because they shouldn't be chilling together, doesn't mean that right. one's better than the other. <laughs> They well, have different I purposes. As, <laughs> I think as energetically sensitive beings, we are also affected by betrayal and abandonment. And mm -hmm. we are yes. sensitive because we feel other people's emotions yeah. to not wanting to betray and abandon others. Absolutely. And we, 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 in the name of, of, and I think what happens is people tend to process their spiritual wisdom through the masculine. Mm -hmm. And what we're learning to do now is we're implementing our spiritual wisdom through the feminine. Yes. So in the feminine, we realize not everything's going to be cut and dry. Not everything's going to be like, you know, I'm going to react one way all the time. Like I'm going to always be unconditionally loving. But the, the, the secret of these teachings is when we're an unconditionally loving person, we are always the first person we are showing that unconditional love and respect to yeah. because other people can show themselves that same unconditional love once it awakens through them. So I think in this process of balancing out the feminine to be the implementer of spiritual wisdom, so the masculine trying to be in charge of it, as we balance this out individually and collectively, we are going to find empaths becoming less of the caretakers mm -hmm. and less of in the codependent enmeshed relationships and less of these doormats to um, unconscious beings. And instead, we're going to actually hold the space that says, in order to be the most loving to humanity, I have to be loving and discerning to myself. And I can think that everyone has all the potential in the world, but I've got to be really real and true to what's good for me. Mm. So, I, and, and what I'm thankful of is in this book, The Universe Always Has a Plan, at the end of every chapter, I do these spiritual mythbuster sections where I, I bust it. apart mm -hmm. all the old spiritual myths and superstitions. And what it helps people do, and one of the major things it does, is it helps you distinguish the difference between judgment and discernment. Yes. And I think there's just a lot of very subtle spiritual judgments a lot of people hold against themselves. So it's weird that they're growing and evolving on one level, but they're almost more caged and pent up. Yeah. And so I, I'm grateful that through this book, we can set our souls free. We can let every empath step into their power and we can really distinguish the difference between judgment and discernment mm -hmm. and allow us all the beauty and ability to shine our lights at full capacity. I had an experience with the, the you know, just the other day it was, it was regarding business and to be able to see the dif difference between discernment and judgment and also mm. to when you talk about anger too that there is a healthy way to sort of express anger there is healthy anger and it, mm. it, it, i wasn't really angry but somebody was but maybe somewhere on the shades of anger but someone was from my perspective wanting to take advantage of me in a business sense mm. and being able to speak up for myself i, I mm. could feel like my discomfort with this situation being presented and then, so I was like, so that is a cue, that's my discernment that it needs to be dealt with. And mm -hmm. then for a moment, I was uncomfortable with how I wanted to approach it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's my discernment that I need to take a little more time with <laughs> processing what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And love is the liberator, which, you know, one of the ways I get there sometimes of love liberating me, which is your 10th rule, mm -hmm. love is your liberator, is how can I be a blessing? How, how can I bring truth and information and help and love? And so I saw it as an, a way to whether it's not my business because I'm giving the love unconditionally, but to educate the person. Look, this is this is the way this is dissonant or discordant. And so what are some ways that you would advise people? Obviously, they read your book. But mm -hmm. to be able to fine-tune and really know the distinction between discernment and judgment, can you riff on that a little? <laughs> yeah, I would say that the difference between discernment and judgment is that judgment is when we make other people less in order to build ourselves up by comparison. Yes. Uh, discernment is the anger that comes up is like an emotional alarm clock mm -hmm. that says you have spent about as much time with this person as you're meant to spend. And, you know, whatever files you're meant to swap subconsciously, 
has occurred. Mm. And, you know, the, the coins you put into the parking meter have now expired. <laughs> and the anger or the agitation or frustration, whichever subtlety we see first, or being triggered or resentful or impatient, all these are just signs that say the person you're with needs space to integrate their journey and equally, you need space from them to integrate your journey. So really anger um, or frustration or impatience or judgment or being triggered, whatever offense, word you use, yeah, offense, offense yeah. mm-hmm. is really saying, stop the interaction right there. And if you're able to politely and diplomatically say, look, I know we're interacting right now, but my body is telling me, my nervous system is telling me, this is about all I can exchange with you right now and I need to go create a boundary and be by myself and integrate um, integrate my, my journey. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And of course, some people will take that very offensively. Because, sure, but that's not your work. That's their work. Right. You know, that's yeah. that's their work. Um, and and I, I always like to communicate as lovingly as possible. Right. Um, because again, anyone typically takes offense to you wanting more alone time uh, when it wasn't their idea, of course. Yes. But, you know, with love and compassion, um, we, we basically just say, hey, I need, I need to go now. Kind of like if we were to imagine our heart chakras were children we were carrying in like one of those jumper things, whatever they're called. You can tell I don't have children. Uh, one of those carriers <laughs> that you carry. Bouncy, hounds. Bouncy houses? What are you talking uh, about? I don't you have know, kids like either. <laughs> parents wear those things where their children oh, are wrapped oh, in them. So it's like a cat carrier, but for humans. Yeah. yeah. So imagine <laughs> your heart chakra. It's a Bjorn. A Bjorn. <laughs> so imagine your heart chakra is like an infant you're carrying. Yeah. If you were having a conversation with an adult and this infant you're wearing strapped to you starts crying and controlling yes. you, you're going to say to that adult, hey, I love this conversation, but I got to go take care of my child. Yeah. When yeah. we're frustrated, agitated, angry, ungrounded, exhausted, shut down, whatever, offended. Mm -hmm. That's the child, your inner child strapped to your heart chakra saying, you need to go home and take care of me right now. So we learn to treat our heart chakras like children that we're carrying metaphorically. Mm. And we learn that it's not a judgment of someone being less than, it's actually more of a directive of I need to be alone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's not about I need to get away from you. It's I actually need to be fully present with myself and the amount of presence I'm giving you is actually energy taken away from the healing journey I'm on and what I need to be at the forefront of my expansion. So when we're really discerning, it's more about what I need for myself versus how someone is less than to build myself up better by comparison. It's like you could sometimes I think, how can I best love both of us right now? And, and of course, it has to start with me because we can only possibly serve from a full cup. The actual golden rule that is expressed in all of the major belief systems, all of the religions, in the way that it's stated, one of the ways it's stated in the Bible is love your neighbor as yourself. That is yeah. that is not a commandment, or it could be seen as such, but it's just a statement. Yeah. You can only love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sure. And so how can I best love us both right now? Well, I have this crying baby in my heart chakra. And mm. that's how I have to start. I can't even hear you over the crying baby. So I can't yeah. even, I can't experience you or me in our truth right now. So that's my, like the nervous system is one cue or just, yeah, the the, the dissonant feeling, the discordant feeling saying mm-hmm. that it's time to attend within first. Well, and how disrespectful, how subtly disrespectful is it to try to give someone your attention when you can't obviously give your full attention and all of yourself to them. And so it's more respectful to say, look, I would love to be here with you, but I can't be fully present with yeah. you because I have this child screaming for my attention. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you when I can be fully with you. I mean, I need to be fully with myself. And when we meet each other as wholeness, we're able to say, wow, that wasn't what I was planning for our interaction, mm-hmm. but I would rather you go step deeper into your wholeness and whatever it's bringing up in me, I can go attend to myself mm-hmm. uh, versus the idea that, we're going to ignore our own needs as a way of demonstrating unconditional loyalty and relationships. In the new spiritual paradigm, yeah. relationships are a space where wholeness meets wholeness as one. And so when we're meeting as wholeness, whatever someone else needs to further their wholeness is what we want for them. Sometimes it's our presence that adds wholeness. 
And sometimes it's our absence that helps, our absence that helps people into their wholeness. And it comes from a really surrendered space that says, whatever you need to be whole, I support, whether that's in my presence or in my absence. Mm. And that's what the, the world is entering this new dimension, this new 5D dimension where it's not about what other people do for us, but it's about what we can do together to celebrate our wholeness, to deepen our wholeness, whether that means being together or being pulled apart. Wow. What a perfect way to sum that up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it reminds me of maybe I'm not their healer right now. Or sure. And we're not healing one another. Well, I this, I don't know, everyone, I'm, you got to, I mean, this feels, this book feels like, it's almost like A Course in Miracles, but Mm -hmm. it's succinct because that's where we are. A Course had to do so much work (laughs) in the time Mm -hmm. that it came out, and it's still just a deep, profound well of attuning and wisdom and and all, and and everything. I feel like what's great, a great way to handle this book of Matt's, The Universe Always Has a Plan, is to read it cover to cover. And then you do it almost like bibliomancy where you can sometimes just open it and mm-hmm. land right there like in, like oracle yeah. cards where you need to be or, or then consciously say, okay, right now I need to find out how hardships can fast track to thankfulness and what is the work to do here and go refresh <laughs> the energy because it's always w- may, way more than the words there because it's, it's spirit, you know, bringing in what mm. it is that we need. So um, we, oh, we're going to have a – we're going to be able to have a link, right? For... I believe so. Yes. Okay, good. I'm just making sure. So there's a link in the description, y'all. <laughs> I do very little editing <laughs> of the podcast. And we do very free form. Um, so just scanning over this again, is there are there some other parts that you want to mention uh, about the book or uh, just to everyone? Something else? Any last words? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the book itself, you know, meets every seeker and every spiritual healer and every empath and every energetically sensitive soul exactly where they're at. So whether you're just starting your journey, Mm -hmm. whether you've been on a journey for 57,000 lifetimes, whether you've been to every, you know, modality certification, you've been to every, you've read every book and every process. What's amazing about this book, it's kind of like an extension when I'm on stage doing my healing work. Everyone feels like I'm just talking directly to them. So the book has been written in a very interesting way, channeled, where everyone is met exactly where they're at and everyone's going to interpret everything specific to their journey and their evolution. So your advice was, was spot on in terms of you read the book cover to cover and whatever paces most supportive to your journey. And then you could just kind of flip it open, setting an intention, what message am I meant to read, whether it's what exercise am I meant to do, what golden rule uh, will I focus on today, what spiritual myth-busting section is going to help me wake up out of my superstition, or what exercise do I need to do as a regular spiritual practice to help me be the most aligned, centered, and conscious and loving when Earth is going through such a tremendous shift in consciousness and it's I I just can't even tell you the amount of awe and wonder and humility I have for being able to bring something through me and into the world and then to step back and just look at as a tool and as a companion how this book just walks people literally from one dimension to another Mm. I'm just I'm so excited for people to dive into this work and and really to, to really prove to ourselves that spiritual work doesn't have to be work at all because Mm -hmm. once we're no longer using spiritual expansion to find solutions to problems, then we can really begin the spiritual journey, which is we're not looking to go from dark to light anymore. We are ascending so we can start in the light Mm -hmm. and just explore higher dimensions and realms of radiance with no end to how brightly we can shine. Glory to glory. We go from glory glory to glory. glory. Wow. Matt, you are just so wonderful. And I I really deeply appreciate the work that you're doing on on our beautiful world. And I I am so honored beyond words. And I think I've done a really, really good job, y'all, and not being a fangirl. I'm I have to (laughs) congratulate myself. It's really I'm I'm really fantastic. I'm a really great actor. That's what reflectors Mm -hmm. are really great actors. So (laughs) 
but anyway, you, you truly, what a gift. The, the book, the work that you're bringing through, and all of the healing that you're doing. So thank you so much for being on my show. What a deep oh, and profound yeah. honor and for everything. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope that you felt that power and felt also the grounded beauty in that conversation and all, all that Matt offered on this episode. I want to remind you that there are links in the description, whether you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, to be able to grab a copy of Matt's book. It is being released on March 24th, 2020. And if you're, if you're listening or watching before that, it's actually on pre-order. I checked and you can get a pre-order of it. And um, I, I encourage you to get both the Audible and the maybe Kindle or the printed one because I really like to get two applications of uh, a work like this one because uh, many of the spiritual books that I listen to, because when we consume it auditorily, it's, it's kind of seeding in one way. And then when we go through it visually, it's applying in a different way. It's watering the seed in a different way or vice versa. And so thank you so much for joining me on this episode. This might be one where you go back and you jot down some of those pearls of wisdom and just the edification. And coming up, I, will, I have several more episodes that will help to support you in this time and beyond. All of this that we're working through is also evergreen and how we are coming together, unifying and healing and ascending. Truly, we are ascending. That's what these, that's what these, um, all of this that is happening is about. We are changing and growing together, together. And again, I say amen. So that's my episode today. I really, really appreciate you. I love you so very dearly. And as I always say, thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Mm -hmm.